Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. And we are back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel. And before we introduce our tremendous and esteemed guest, I just want to say that on Thursday, within 24 hours, three things occurred. Kate Blanchett's new movie, Tar, came out. Charlie Puth released a new album. And the season of The Mole came out, the long-awaited uh, uh, revival of the mole, and I think October sixth has to be official Keep It Day now. From here on out in the future, <laughs> that's like all of our chakras all together. Was that the October surprise? Yes, right. Not that we're Libras or whatever October sixth is, but yeah. yeah. Um, Tara is fantastic. By the way, I saw it we'll last have, night. We'll need to have a whole conversation about that yeah, in the future. We will, so. we will. But like Kate Watch, like call me a tar baby. Okay. <laughs> so Oh my god. <laughs> Let me get the Br'er Rabbit on speed dial, baby. <laughs> uh, Charlie Pooh's album is very good. I disagree, but I you do. appreciate okay. that he tried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that in a future yeah. <laughs> episode too. Um and the mole is very good, but we'll talk about that this week uh, because our guest not just our guest but our guest host this week is the esteemed iconic gorgeous winner of big brother taylor hale that's fucking right hi <laughs> <laughs> i mean i didn't hear a lie so like you know who am i to deny the thing the truth, the truth, the truth. <laughs> hi you guys were, you were such an amazing big brother contestant and also i just want to say like your arc on the show from like seemingly doomed contestant on big brother <laughs> to somebody who was accelerating to victory eventually <laughs> is so mind-boggling and I, I just i just thank you for being on the show because i have never been so thrilled for a contestant in god years and years it's been i mean it, you guys saw it was an absolute whirlwind i went through hell in that house and then yeah you're right it was just a full steam speed to the end um and even in the end i'm sure i give you guys a, a little bit of a curveball with part one and two of the hoh comps i was really in and out and up and down the whole time, but to walk out as the winningest winner ever of the show <laughs> feels pretty damn good. Laughing all yes, the America's now. favorite player. That's okay. Right. I, want, I want you to know that constantly online was the conversation can someone win Big Brother and America's favorite player? And we all kept being like, no, you can't. No one's just ever been popular enough to have it happen. Surprise. <laughs> no, and even then, you know, I the only season that I really like watched in real time was last year with the cookout. And mm. I remember just wanting Tiffany to win before she shot herself in the foot. I wanted Tiffany to win so badly. And I thought, okay, like she could win AFP and the whole show. It could happen. But, you know, that was my destiny, not hers. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, 
we'll obviously get into this in our uh, reality TV discussion, but I have to ask, like, you as a contestant, I felt was so unusual for the show and that literally not once during a confessional did I ever feel like you were screaming at us or that you took like the producer bait to like really like exclaim all of your observations and paranoias to us. When you were auditioning for the show, did you feel like, I just imagine you were surrounded by, you know, um, auditioners who were, you know, loud and animated and doing their best, get the producers to look at me thing. And you, to me, just casually sort of draw attention. Did you, I mean, like, how, how did you stand out basically in, during the auditions? I think I'm so dry that that's enough to stand out in its own right. Like, I yeah. <laughs> even when I thought I was really giving a lot in the DR, I watched the episodes and I'm like, Taylor, where is the inflection? Like, what is going on here, baby? Like, give me more. But it's just, it's my face, it's my voice. I can't, I could control it, but that's why I'm not an actor. But, you know, it's just, I am who I am. That's why I went into the house that I, as myself. And I just, I'm not a, I'm not a DR yeller. That's not my style. Could you imagine me? Oh my God. I have to win this veto to secure my safety. No. I'm like, <laughs> like these hoes are putting me on the block again. Of course I want this veto. Like, chop, chop. I got to go mentally. Oh my God. No, I <laughs> hope moving. this sets a precedent for the future because truly I need eventually like a hearing aid after I'm done with a season People of Big Brother. shout so much. And like, even when you were loud during your, um, speech you know before you won um i assume that's just because you know like it's live tv you're like you want everyone to hear you outside because it's not just piped in the julie's ear but like people are constantly shouting on that show and i've rewatched <laughs> like um a bunch of the um winner speeches too and it's like they're shouting even more and it's like you're saying it so quickly it's like you're running out of time and it's like it was just nice to not have my decibels blown. Right. By yeah. you. I hope this sets a precedent. Yes. I yeah. hope so too. Anything be, be to protect quiet. your ears. <laughs> the That's the real keep it work. right there. <laughs> keep it to yourself. Uh, well, we have so much to ask you about Big Brother, but also we're going to talk about the show in general and our favorite reality TV shit, like with you, because, you know, you're here with us all episode. We're also going to get into. Um, some questions about you, too, in general, as Taylor, the icon. Uh, and then we're going to talk about um, some of our favorite, like, culture shit. You know, like our movies, our TVs, like the things that you were, you can't stop watching. We, Lewis and I last week were talking about um, something that jumped this conversation off when we were talking about movies we've seen, like, way too many times. Whether or not they're even our favorite movie or whether or not. Like, they're perfect as a film. We were talking about, you know, you were like, you've seen Clue too many times. And I was right. like, I've seen Heather <laughs> too many times, and I have critiques of it now. So we want to know what you've seen too many times, what you love, what we all share. Um, and we will I'll give right it to back. you. Oh, please do. We know. Oh, my God. The ride begins. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we will be right back with more Keep It. How could we have Taylor on and not talk about some reality TV? So let's chat a bit about her time on Big Brother, our favorite reality TV moments, and the new version of The Mole, which Lewis and I are currently obsessed with. So, Taylor, first things first, mm -hmm. The Big Brother house. My first question is... What was it like listening to Renaissance for the first time? <laughs> yes. Oh my and God! What a moment! How, like there, so, was 
Uh, I don't, there was some like rumor or something online that like it's it's in an iPod shuffle or something, so it's not mm -hmm. in the same order. Is that true? And like, what songs were you like reacting to the most the first time? Because we're just listening to you, we're just watching you like with headphones on, and we're seeing you mouth along with things and going, "Bitch, yes." And I'm like, <laughs> "What song was what? it?" In her ears. <laughs> I, I should so, reiterate quickly that the clip we're talking about is when Taylor was HOH, head of household one week. Uh, you get to choose the music you listen to on headphones in, uh, in Big Brother. And she got to listen to the new Beyonce album, which is pretty unprecedented that you would get a, a new album, you know, during your time in the house. So, Well, first, mm -hmm. I the single uh, Break My Soul was released literally the week before we got into the house and the oh. date was released. So I was like, I know it's coming out. It's public in some capacity. I know there's a loophole where if I'm HOH, like you, you gotta give it to me. Um, but the first song I'm pulling out the album right now. Okay. So the first song that played was summer Renaissance, but there's a button on the shuffle where you can actually make an iPod shuffle. So that an album is in order. Mm. So I thought I put that, like, I thought I put the album on that note. So the first song I heard was Summer Renaissance, and I thought that was the first song of the album. And then it went to I'm That Girl and played everything in order. So I was like, okay. I listened to everything in order. It's all perfect. No, someone probably just listened to that song last, and then it kicked off in order from there. But, mm. um, I mean, you hear the sample, Donna Summer sample, and I was just like, <gasps> like I felt like my soul was levitating when I hear that song. Like the, <laughs> It literally rises. I don't know music that well. Like I don't know music terms, but it's just like the cadence rises and levitates. And I was like, I have been lifted. Like Beyonce, you have levitated me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like winning HOH at that point, for those who aren't familiar with the show, Head of Household, you get power, you nominate people to evict. Um, and when I won Head of Household that week, it was very crucial because it secured my spot in the finale, in the final three. And it was like literally the weight of the game, which was hell, just lifted off of me. And I had this decision to make on who my allies were, who I thought I could beat and take to the end. I'm like, I am that girl. Like, this just got nothing on me. Like, this is made for me. But if we're going to get into the songs that really resonated with me, it was heated. Because these bitches were pissing me off. <laughs> oh I knew my it. God. That I knew was the it. one. That was the theme song, okay? <laughs> I was in the tub. I was in the bed. I was snatching the headphones off of somebody else. And I was like, give me that song. Let me listen to this. <laughs> um, truly, one more thing about the head of household room. One of my pet peeves as a viewer is how everyone decides that the head of household room is a communal room once someone wins. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like no, but I, I won want this. this. Get out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's just, I, that's why I was so not in the room the first week. I was like, no, that's their space. But you need to make that a communal room when you are playing the game. Like, you need to bust up mm -hmm. in there. And people, if they're too weak to set boundaries, that's on them. But you need to get out mm -hmm. there and be friends with HOH. Use that shower. Sleep in the bed. Like, we get very uncomfortably close, whether you're actually allies or not in the house. And you have to for the sake of the game. But yeah, I thought it was weird. I'm an only child. I don't share shit. But here I am. Like, yeah, come cuddle <laughs> in my bed and use my shower. Use my shower. Oh, a black girl. <laughs> she looks like sharing a shower with. What the hell? 
Um, we bring him up all the time on Keep It, but one of my best friends is Andy, who won uh, yeah, Big Brother yeah. uh, 15. I think believe that's correct. And the first time I met him was the day after he won Big Brother. And we were sitting literally at his hotel in L.A. And in the middle of our conversation, I don't know what we were talking about, but he suddenly jolted like he still he was like, oh, my God, for a minute, I thought I still had a microphone on me. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, what are the aftershocks like after you? leave the house like do you still feel like pangs of having been there <laughs> oh do i um so there's <laughs> obviously people will say like oh like i feel like i still have my mic on me um i have felt a little bit more like my phone has taken the place of that so i don't get the pang of like oh i need to wake up and go change my battery i don't have that in me anymore mm-hmm. um, and i really didn't leaving the house but the weird thing is that when i have conversation this is just how i approach the game that's why people think i'm a saint when <laughs> I beg to differ. Um, but when I was having conversations in the house, I was very aware that the cameras were on. So instead of having a one-on-one conversation, which, you know, I would engage, my approach was more, I need this person to keep talking and spewing their bullshit because I know everybody else is watching and I know I'm not a crazy bitch. So you keep talking and I will just give reactions, but not lead the conversation. And I've noticed that carry over into my real life. Like I'm talking to people mm. as if they're still cameras and everybody else can see what's going on. So it's almost like an office moment. I'm almost like, y'all see this shit? But then I realized, <laughs> oh, oh no, Mateo, you have to actually in a, engage now. Like it's, it's a different thing. Um, I think that's the the big one for me. There's no other like really odd things. I sometimes still feel like I hear the um, the sound calls that happen. It's like, please go to the diary room. Please go to the storage room. I miss that a little, little bit because that was just fun to mess with. But outside of that, I think it's really the way that I can't converse with people. Well, I would say this has got to be partly why you were such a compelling player, because you know that the camera eats first. You're like serving <laughs> that conversation to everybody watching. Exactly. It's a, Look, you zoom on in to what this dummy is saying, and I will just look at you afterwards and be like, y'all, y'all got that? Okay. All right. You know what's in my head because I know what's in your head. And they just said what they really said out loud. Okay, we're good. The reason why I think that America has been obsessed with Big Brother for so long and the reason why we have, you know, it's like it's 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 insane because we love games as Americans, mm-hmm. obviously, like you love playing games with friends. And it's like it's wild to watch people play this big game where, you know, you're all stuck in a house and you're all competing to win a cash prize. But it's what about the game watching it at home? Um, particularly like the cookout season, which was like an iconic season as well, to then being in the house. What did you not get from watching it on TV that you were like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this? Uh, uh, the fact that you are literally living your own life. Like people say, I'm going to go and it's this type of competitor or I'm going to have this strategy. You're legitimately just a human being being surveilled. So whatever strategy or gameplays or personas you want to take on, it's going to fade very quickly because that's 90 days that you have to keep that up. It's just not going to happen. 90 days with dwindling people who get to see more of your bullshit as you go. It's like you don't realize that, yes, there is a game, but you're still a human being playing the game. So you're not prepared for actually getting in there and living your second by second life, conversing with other people, communicating with other people and having that interpreted as game. You're just not going to be as prepared as you can be because we all wake up, we all take a shower, we all go to the bathroom. These are mundane things that ties into the game, but it's just, you have to navigate it differently. It's very, it's a mind fuck because it's like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm still a person, but all of America is watching me. 
but all I'm doing is like filing my nails and people are wondering what's in my head. You just don't realize how much that messes with your brain when you're inside the house. Oof. Oh, that's an really, it's an interesting insight by being yourself. You're acting in a way. Exactly. Like I, where's my SAG Africa car? Like this is, <laughs> I, it's very bizarre. Now I feel I that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's wild that you don't get SAG big on Big Brother. Well, and on any reality show, you know, there's yeah. no union for reality TV personalities and maybe that'll change. Yeah. Um, but even that of the feeling like you're acting, I feel like people forget that you who aren't super fans that the, sh the the feeds for the show are on all the time so it's not just you're living your life and you're like cbs is going to pick interesting moments and put them on no. camera for people to watch no there are people at home like like me laying on my couch <laughs> um like um eating dinner watching you Either having a laying conversation on the couch the eating pool, dinner, or, right, or laying on the couch <laughs> eating dinner, eating eating your Lay's chips, or, or like mm. truly sometimes you just tune in and people like aren't having combos and they're just sort of like sitting around looking at each other, just sort of nodding like you would with your friends if you were hanging out, but like this is you being broadcast to millions of people literally doing nothing and that i think is still surreal to me tuning in and watching people like that because it's it's so voyeuristic you know it's so real window and i signed up for it enthusiastically what type of psychopath am i <laughs> but that's exactly it i'm i'm sitting around i'm eating chips i go to the pool in heels and lay in the hammock and i say absolutely nothing i look at the camera i toy with the camera i say you little sickos you little freaks you keep staring at me all day what do you want like and people are watching and engaging with it at home it is it's a very very bizarre reality because you know, imagine if you had cameras set up in every corner of your room, if the windows in your house were not real windows, there are people manned cameras behind those windows that are moving to watch you. And you just completely forget to some extent that there are people surveilling you, not just the ones behind the cameras in the house, but the people who tap a few buttons in their own homes and bring me into the home. Frankly, I said that you guys came into my home and I just said, okay, enjoy, see what goes down. <laughs> Now, you talk about how the, the crazy feeling of being, being surveilled, but I think something that's weird about Big Brother is once you leave the house, I'm sure your impressions of certain people you stayed with dramatically change. Like you're, you're, uh, you, you have this new glimpse of you know, the people you didn't really get to know or what their real plan was when you were around them in the house. Is there anybody specifically where after watching the show now, you think about them in a totally different way than when you were around them in the house? Well, I had a pretty unique experience. So. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's it's kind of funny because people want to say, oh, it was just game. It was just game. But the way that people reacted and spoke about me and treated me was very personal. Um, so I don't think I really have the liberty of seeing people in a different light. All I have is the concept of forgiveness, um, the concept of people coming to me to apologize. I can't look at people differently. I can only accept things as they are. So, you know, I can, ex I can respect gameplay. I can respect uh, when the after party came back into the house and Monty immediately going to the after party and flipping on big bro child people in that alliance. I can respect that. That doesn't hurt me. What hurts me is the microaggressions that turn into macroaggressions, the sexism, the racism, the slut shaming, all of those things mm -hmm. that happen from day zero going into the house. Um, 
So the only opportunity I have to look at people differently is in how they present themselves. And it's funny because, you know, at the house I've been in now, I was in the uh, Heather Master bedroom and people would still come up to the room and knock on the door. I'd be like, hey, can I have a one-on-one? <laughs> like, I won the game. Like, this is the HOH room. We can call the HOH. We can call it the fridge again. So, yeah. And people would keep their case. And there are people who um, were doing the work in the house before they walked out the door to make amends. And I respect that mm-hmm. a lot more than people who mm. now know that I've won a Mercury player and the whole game. And they're trying to make amends now. So, seeing people differently, mm. is it's a different experience for me than other people, other seasons. They really treated you like it was impossible for you to win America's favorite player at the beginning of that game. I mean, yes. I mean, the, the idea that you won that, I mean, that has to be the ultimate slap in the face to like the first seven people who left that house. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely dumbfounded, and I love it. <laughs> That's honestly one of my favorite concepts of reality TV. To be honest, it is the perception that you have and then the perception that the players have and then the perception that America has, and obviously there's editing that goes into shows like Survivor that Lewis and I love and other kinds of reality shows, but Big Brother, when people are watching the feeds, like constantly each season, you will have people um, be like, wow, I wonder if people hate this person or they'll be like, America definitely hates this person the same way we do. And it's weird that people are so rarely like get, even a kernel of it. One reason I love Big Brother Canada is that the players seem to be a little bit more self-aware of like who Canada will like and won't like, but also when they do live shows, they pipe in um, and let people boo or cheer people, um, especially when they're winning competitions. So I remember one of my favorite moments in Big Brother uh, Canada 5, uh, it was a character, Netta, came back. Half the cast Mm -hmm. was um, returning people, half was new people, and Netta was a fan favorite. Um, but she was very, yeah, she was very egotistical this season and going up against another fan favorite, Ika. And when Ika convinced Cindy to put, um, Netta on the block during a double eviction, um, you could hear the audience cheering when Netta was put up. So Netta knew that the audience wasn't on her side, but then also that flipped the script for other players in the game turning against Ika because mm-hmm. they knew that Canada liked her and they were like, well, now we got to get this bitch out of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Immediately. No, it's interesting. Um, one of my best friends was in the audience. Oh, bless his heart. Well, for Kyle's eviction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Did they tell people to be quiet? <laughs> they said no booing they said no booing they said, you may not boo you must clap and i i get it but it would be really interesting because you know before the show even starts you can hear the audience getting pumped up and everything so we would mm. hear the clapping we get really excited we would stand by the door and be like oh, there's mm. people out there <laughs> and they're cheering we don't think they're cheering for us but they're cheering <laughs> So it was, mm-hmm. it was really fun, but it would be really interesting to hear like, oh, who's getting booed? Who's getting cheered? Mm-hmm. Um, the most exciting one was Michael going out the door and hearing just the wild cheers. He deserved them. Yeah, I love that guy. That. Yeah. I loved Michael. And it's, it's, it's so like, it's funny because like I've been, I was rooting for you since the beginning. Um, but um, I, I'm Issa Rae. I'm always rooting for everybody black. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Didn't Michael, look good for me. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> 
But I was also like, I was also so excited for Michael to win the game too because he was giving you a different gay player than you'd seen on Big Brother before. And he was a competition beast. And I was like, the unfortunate part is just like on Survivor too. It's like the competition beasts always go out in that moment when they don't win. Because then yep. someone is like, if you I don't get do rid of them, they're winning. Yeah. Which would have happened. It would have happened. And if he got to final three like we wanted to, he would have taken Britney to the end. We all know that. So mm -hmm. I had to make yeah. sure I planted those seeds to get one of my favorite people in the house out. Sorry, he bud. also, mm -hmm. I thought the way he played the game, like you could tell he he came into that house with the intention to play exactly that way. And it was really working out for him. He was like a really smart mm -hmm. player. So for it to turn on its head is also just why we love Big Brother also. So I, I hope he knows he gave us the full Big Brother experience. So uh, <laughs> love him. No, wait, obviously you won Big Brother. So you are in fact a perfect match for this show. But before you ever auditioned for this did you ever think you would be on other reality shows did you ever think oh well i'm definitely a survivor person or i'm definitely <laughs> a, i don't know what other what other shows are out do you there. see my face do you see my face do you see all the tape <laughs> on my face look at this hair she, what about this survivor? Wait, <laughs> survivor that's the reason why i didn't go to dire fest my god uh, <laughs> i'm a vip okay um so i was actually recruited to go on to the bachelor and um uh, so two seasons mm. in a row um, they were heavily recruiting me. There's another podcast uh, called Game of Roses, and they were actually trying to coach me to get into the show. Um, mm. Yeah, so they were trying to like build an archetype for me and tell me how to handle different situations for The Bachelor. And then I was reached out to about The Amazing Race, actually. Um, and I said, mm -hmm. well, I never you will be on in the future. So let's just <laughs> put that out there right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I was contacted about, about Tar, is what we call it, uh, the amazing race. And I was like, well, one, never seen it. Two, um, I don't want to ruin any friendships right now, but I did watch the cookout last season. So what about Big Brother? And then it just went full speed ahead. Like, I am on Big Brother now. And that's all it was. So I ghosted everybody from The Bachelor. And, you know, my, my coach at the time was even saying, like, you could be the next Bachelorette. I was like, that looks like trauma in hell. No, thank you. And then I went through trauma and now the Big Brother house, but I won. So it's worth it. Wait, was it ever, were you ever, like, compelled, like, yeah, The Bachelor could work out for me? Like, was there anything attractive about it? Because it seems like people were like, we've simply got to get you on that show. Oh, no, there really were people that were like, this has to happen. You could be the next Bachelorette. We see it for you. And I was like, I mean, I like the idea of reality TV, but there's just, I, I can't fake the fuck. And the whole concept mm. of The Bachelor Bachelorette is you don't acknowledge that it is a game. Like, you don't acknowledge that there mm. are crucial things you have to do to get to the end. Big Brother is all game. It's it's so open out there and there's no question about being here for the right reasons. You could be there for the wrong reasons. That could be an amazing strategy. Whereas if someone breathed the wrong way in the bachelor franchise and mentioned Instagram in any capacity is oh, get her out of here. She just wants to be an influencer and they're not here for love. You got to go right now. Like, it's just, it's a byproduct of being on reality TV now. And that's what was kind of cool about big brother. We talked very openly about our lives potentially changing and, not only the money changing things, but just being on the show and the things that we want to do and gain and help each other from here. So, you know, that was probably one of the cooler things. I just felt a lot freer and less constrained. It was a longer game, but you could speak more openly. Mm -hmm. um, I actually want to piggyback on an old question that Lewis asked too, you know, about being surprised about people in the game. Um, was there actually anyone who, because like you went through hell and we know you went through hell on the show. Was there anyone who, you know, like maybe maybe was it like um, outwardly like 
evil to you or something but like was there anything that you've watched back that you were like actually like shocked that like oh this person was actually like a pleasant person i just didn't realize it in the house Um, (laughs) you know i will say what surprised me because nicole and i really hit it off from the moment that she got in the backyard on uh, moving night Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is going to be someone we're going to take over the whole game together. And I was very pleasantly surprised when she was first presented with you know, Taylor's got to go. She's evil. She's this, she's that. And she was one of the first sweet, oh my God, first few people to really push back and be like, I don't think so. That's mm-hmm. not really lining up for me because that's the person that I and the relationship that I assumed that we had. So it felt good mm-hmm. to see that because I mean, you all saw it felt like a very drastic and sudden shift to Taylor is evil. She is fashioning mm-hmm. people. She's a beauty queen. She's all the microaggressions in the world. She's got to go. Um, obviously, I was disappointed in her by the shift in Nicole. But, you mm-hmm. know, she and I did the work in the house to remedy that relationship. And we're in a really good place now. And Amira, even Amira was a little she's good at the game. Um, and mm-hmm. she did say some tough things about me. But, you know, she and I should have worked together. We could have worked together. And I think that if I just didn't end up so far on the opposite side of her, then it would have been a really amazing thing to to have her in my corner. So the two girls, those two girls, I was pleasantly surprised that they were not as vindictive from the very beginning as I thought they were. Mm. Uh, Who are the reality TV veterans that loom largest in your mind? The people who you think like, oh, this makes me want to be a part of this genre ira and i talk about this all the time i mean like for me the show project runway was so um important because it was one of the first shows where there wasn't just one the gay guy there would be eight of them you know and like and also like not just the one like latin guy or you know black guy you know like they they needed actual interesting voices and people with stories in order to make that show good and so all these people who would normally be um, just one person on a reality show like, you know, uh, 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 the real world once upon a time actually got to go out and be interesting. Who are the people that you kind of care about in reality TV? Oh, my God. I mean, look, I would be lying if I didn't say that America's Next Top Model changed my life. Like, oh, seeing, fuck yes. Great immediate answer. Yes. yes. I mean, come on. Like, that is reality TV for me. And, you know, there are other things I think. You all know I have a pageant background. I was with Michigan USA. I think growing up also watching pageants, sometimes I feel like pageants were the original reality TV. So there's an argument for a variety of shows, but like the pageant girl, the pageant itself, that was appointment television. It was live television. Mm. You're watching someone mm. compete to be an overnight sensation. So I did not grow up as a pageant girl or a pageant fan, but when I caught it, that was so exciting to me. Something else I think is reality TV is the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And yes, Issues, qualms, all those things, but seeing these models on display, seeing these models so in their element, that felt like a fantasy, but it felt like reality TV to me. So the Victoria's Secret fashion show, America's Next Top Model, all the different women that were on America's Next Top Model and seeing kind of the archetypes of what reality TV is through ANTM. You got the black bitch, you had the soft girl, you had uh, the funky girl, the quirky girl, all these different types of women. Um, navigating a really toxic environment, not just because of the sake of modeling and fashion and reality TV, but because of being a model. What is it like to navigate that area? What's it like to compete directly with other women who want what you want and to be judged in front of other people by people who are 
highly respected. Seeing those stakes was really interesting to me. And that was kind of freeing to me, even though the confines of that show were whew, a little rickety. <laughs> it was a show. It was an interesting <laughs> show. But growing up and watching that, like, that was my, my everything. I love that you brought up the top bottle because th- there's, I feel like there's still more to unearth about top model like actually as a competition show i feel like right now you know um people gen z like who wasn't around like are rediscovering the show like online and a lot of the conversation is tyra was crazy and like she said a lot of like you know like awful stuff that wouldn't fly now but i'm like not enough is being paid to you know the actual competition element of america's top model and like that was a really well crafted reality show that blended the concept of a model you know with competition i mean like i when i when i'm still um going like on like either like like it's a date or like you're meeting new friends or like going somewhere in the city like i still like use the phrase go sees yes always You and I are the same. I literally, like, if I meet up with someone, I'm like, oh, I have a go seat. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. You're not in my industry. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> and the fact that the show, because it had actual luminaries, like Andre Leon Talley, you know, like Miss J, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, because you had real people working in the industry, they were giving that, like, you know, sort of like Simon Cowell thing of, like, being a bitch or, like, being brutally honest. But it was uh-huh. also this is the shit you hear. Like, if you can't yes. survive this in the show, ratchet it up, you're definitely not going to survive as a model, you know? At all. And the thing is, I credit that show so much with my comfort with trans and non-binary people. I mean, seeing Miss J mm. was such a catalyst to me. Like, Miss J is who Miss J is, and I don't care. As long as you're fabulous and you're a cool person, good to be around, who am I to question who you are? I think... Mm-hmm. Like reality TV has been the thing that has exposed me into opening up my mind. So that's why I get really frustrated when people talk about reality TV as if it's trashy or men that I have dated talk about reality TV as if it's something mm-hmm. that's not interesting or boring or frivolous. Sports are reality TV. Let's be honest. It's Absolutely. reality TV for men, traditionally, whatever you want to say. So why not give credit to these things that are actually opening and expanding our minds? That's just what reality TV is. I'm inviting these people into my home. I'm entering their home to understand who these people are. And it gives me a better understanding of who the rest of the world is. That's all it is. So no, when people start to write off reality TV, that's when I just want to like take a backhand and be like, shut up, shut up. You don't get it. (laughs) No, I mean like that's ultimately kind of how I feel about the Kardashians, which is how many TV shows are about a family of women? I mean, it's like there's a reason there aren't, you know, you know, they're uh, taken unseriously, whatever. So just to have people, whatever, the richest people alive, uh, like that just doesn't exist elsewhere. So it always feels like the shame begins with I don't want to see three women talking to each other to me. No, it does. And, you know, I will go up and down about the Kardashians every day. Like they have their problematic moments. But I think there is real value in seeing women very strong powerful women operating and showing that unapologetically to the world and, you know then there's a well, back half of that conversation but you know well, lewis, <laughs> lewis maybe you should be watching wwe's total divas okay wow shockingly this is the first time this has come up so you can submit that request to, in writing yeah we used to do ads for total divas 
Oh, once I upon a time, oh, no. yes. I recall. <laughs> Long time um, listener, first time caller. <laughs> but I mean, that is also reality TV wrestling, you know, like men watch that. I grew up watching that. Um, you know, it's it's soap opera, it's everything. It's it's all the fun that you love in reality TV. Before we wrap up our reality TV segment, um have have you heard of or seen the mole before, Taylor? And have you seen you know, any I did of the my new- Have you even been able to watch any? You did. You watched it. I watched okay. it an hour ago. <laughs> okay, I cannot disappoint them. Oh my god! Um, so I watched the first episode and a little bit of the second mm. episode of the mole. It's giving like the challenge meets. Mm. Um, there was, I think, on E or Bravo. There was like a spy show recently on there. You guys know what I'm talking about. Hmm. imposters no 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 no. it was a reality show hmm. first of all okay hmm. special shout out to imposters season one incredible but no <laughs> imposters was... gave what it needed to give okay it gave Bra- everything bravo needs to bring back scripted tv please uh, and thank you but no there was another reality show on one of ear bravo and it's literally people hmm. pretending to be spies and operating in that aspect and like the judges were people who worked for csi and whatever so it's a little bit of that oh, mixed hmm. with the challenge it's interesting i've never been a person that's been all in for the challenge mtv like it's just not been my style of competition reality show i'm i'm a mm-hmm. e bravo bachelor that type of girl um so you gotta say no when they ask you to be on the challenge usa you're like i don't want to i don't want to be sliding through mud <laughs> i mean my nails i just, uh, just so expensive to get them done i don't know <laughs> No, I've heard the Big Brother people dominate the challenge though, because we know how to use like the social game to our advantage. Everybody they else is right. kind of dominate. Brawn. They dominate the regular challenge. Challenge okay. USA was a spinoff that was started on Paramount Plus, sure. and it really involved a lot of CBS personalities. Yeah, I only CBS personalities. D- very disappointed in the Challenge USA, um, by the way, because the Big Brother people won, flopped. Because um, Alyssa and Derek were salty about the cookout. And so they turned on a whole Big Brother alliance. And it was like, Tiffany was out. And then <gasps> Xavier, Kylan, like they got all of them out. And then they got cut too. Because the Survivor people all stuck together. Yeah, no shit. Because Survivor okay, well, players uh-huh. know that you got to get rid of grudges to win a game. So they got what they deserve. Also, it was the first challenge where, like, the two winners won because everyone else in the final quit because it was too hard. It was just a poorly produced Whoa. finale. Yeah. Poorly I've never even produ- heard like, of that happening. That's really Sarah strange. From, Sarah from Survivor won by default. And you know what we think about her. Sarah the cop. Mm. <laughs> let, let me keep my uh, mouth shut because all I do is survivor people now. All, I, it's all CBS people in my world right now. So I'm, gonna be, I'm, gonna keep, yeah. I'm gonna keep it nice. But I will but say, I am going. No, yeah. I'm going to an escape room with DX tonight, so I'm gonna have some words. Oh, okay. You know, mm. I lo- listen. DX is mm. also on the Amazing Race right now. So, yes, he is. Yeah. So shout out to him. Um, By the way, that should but, be a reality show. You navigating an escape room. That I just want to yeah, see. Period. We'll live stream it just for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say about the mole quickly. Um, uh, so it's a show that uh, Ira and I are particularly excited to come back. But 
it's a weird show because if you're not familiar with it at home, Anderson Cooper used to host it years ago. But Ooh, the, yeah. it's one one player is posing as a contestant among My a husband. group of contestants, and he ends up, and and, and it turns out that they're uh, a mole in the group. They're working to keep money from the pot, keep money, keep the players from winning challenges. And the weird thing is. As a regular player in the game, one of your only lines of defense is to act like the mole so that other people think you're the mole. And the way people are eliminated is they take a quiz about the mole's identity every week. And whoever gets the least questions correct is kicked off the show. So it it's an advantage if you get people to suspect you and you're a regular contestant because then they're likelier to leave the game. But because of that, Everybody has a reason to sabotage challenges, so that's never really a clue to you. Mm -hmm. So what you're really searching for is who has advanced knowledge of the games uh, and of the challenges, because that's the actual difference between the mole and the other contestants. And that's harder to look for. You know, it's harder to find. You're you're basically discovering who's the worst actor in the group or who's acting mm. in the group. You know, and I would also say that like the one thing that like tends to help people, and I've been rewatching some of the old seasons, and what really seems to help on this season is. You can't go all in on who you think the mole is because then right. you're going you to have get to all the questions up. wrong. Yeah. You yeah. got to be like, I'm answering for several people. And you, there's, I love that this one has, just like the old game, it has a QR code that you can do at the end of each episode and play, do the quiz yourself. And oh, that's I, fine. Thought I, knew who the, I thought I knew who the mole was. I did not. Oh, really? <laughs> it tell you if you, yeah. well, so does it tell you? If it you tells you if you get questions mole? wrong. Yeah. It tells really? you how many, yeah. It tells you when you suck, and basically, like, um, I was thinking it was like I was thinking like maybe Jacob in the beginning, yeah, um, uh -huh. because like, but then like once the other blonde woman started like really suspecting him, I'm like, oh no, it's definitely not him, and like mm -hmm. part of me is like it'd be wild if joy was the mole because yeah. her losing twenty five thousand dollars for their pot was truly wild. Behavior. I mean, I've never but, uh, seen like somebody tank uh, a group of people like that before. So I'm like, if you're the mole, congrats, girl. But also, if you're not the mole, why are you playing this game? Right. There's also there's something about the editing of this show, too, where if there are contestants who are on to who the mole is, they're not going to let you know. So you're yeah. doing a lot of like sure. guessing who real people really are suspecting because they're not going to tell that directly to camera if they're exactly on to who the person is. Mm -hmm. But that's I think something it's else. A really fun it's very big brothery. That's very big yes. brother. There are a lot of people who were, I mean, just when you're interacting with producers, and Joseph is here with me and he was talking about it all the time. Like he would not show his cards to the producers all the time because he doesn't want there to be a misdirect or some sort of influencing, which they actually don't do in, a, uh, in Big Brother House. But it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like you want to keep your cards very close to the chest when you're on a show like that. Not we're our King Joseph hiding off, off camera. Our King Joseph is here. <laughs> King Joseph. King Joseph is asleep in the other room. He, he needs his rest. <laughs> I loved you uh, shaming him for not having TSA pre-check, by the way. Guys, you can go to an office depot and solve that this afternoon. Easily. But no, he, he wants to sleep. He doesn't have pre-check. He doesn't have global entry. He doesn't have clear. It's giving... <laughs> It's giving bum. I won't say it. It's giving bum. Thank you. I would say it's giving poverty. I'm sorry. Like, maybe let me take care of it. I got eight Like, let me just let me spoil you, please. Sorry. Ugh. Well, eight hundred k. Yeah, that that is a significant bump from seven hundred fifty. I'm I'm glad. I, I'm glad we rounded that up. Yeah. Um. I will also say that. Like, Thanks, America. In, in terms of TSA pre-check, though. There was a period where it was impossible to get an appointment. 
I feel like pre-pandemic, it was impossible to get an mm. appointment. And it was a lot of, you had to be like flying back from an international trip and then do a meeting. And so like, that's why oh. I don't have mine yet, but I do have clear, which by the way, sometimes works out better because the pre-check line has been long at like JFK or LAX. And when you go, there is truly never anybody in the clear line ever. Yeah. I like, I'm a late person. When I get to the airport, I get to clear and I am to my gate in less than five minutes. And so- no, seriously, you, you going mean, through security is a breeze. It's like the most I've ever done it with clear is seven minutes. And even then I'm like, yeah. what what's going on here? Come on, give me there. Yeah, you know why you're always slow going behind clear? Because somehow there are still first time flyers every time you go to the airport because I do not understand how I am in the line ready to like put my stuff on the conveyor belt and there are still people who are like, do I take my shoes off? Do I take oh. my belt off? Oh, sorry, my phone. Do I do that? I'm like, have you never flown before? Clearly. What we call kettles, <laughs> mon pa kettle. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, when we are back, we have plenty more Taylor uh, and we're going to get into our favorite cultural moments. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. So many teenagers waiting to be adopted from foster care feel like their lives are over. They've given up hope of having a permanent home and are terrified of aging out with no support system. Right now, more than 113,000 children are waiting to be adopted in the U.S. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is dedicated to finding them the right family before it's too late. Learn how you can help at davethomasfoundation.org slash learn more. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black is the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. For those of you playing Keep It Bingo at home, you know there are some movies we can't go a single episode without referencing or TV shows. Um... So it's really time to dive into our favorite movies and shows and things that we've just seen way too many times. Side note, I have to shout out, I got this insane message from a listener um, who told me that I mentioned Buffy too many times and I need to stop doing it because it's not good. And I want to say, fuck you. That's right. (laughs) To this listener who also was drunk and mentioned that they were drunk in the message, um, texting me like an ex. I was like, leave the Drake behavior out of my DMs. And also, refer to the show as Buddy, not Buffy. Uh, I mean, well, that was grim. Now it became they also, By the they way, they also, didn't come for me for the Madonna thing. Madonna comes for three times as much. And by the way, she's coming up and keep it today, so get ready. <laughs> oh, okay. Excited. And, and they also... I think I know what that keep is going to be, too. And... By the way, they also mentioned they watched the first season of Buffy and it was awful. And if you've actually listened to me talk about Buffy over the five years we've done this show, you everyone knows that the first season sucks. So, sorry. It's 12 episodes. Go to season two. Anyway. Movies. <laughs> Taylor. Also, oh my God, five years. Five years of me being a, a keep it stand. Wow, it's I miss it. I'm here. How <laughs> oh, we made it? I'm sorry. I truly every every time every time I experience someone too being like I've listened to the beginning. I'm always like, how are you doing this? Yeah, right. How, how, are, you how are you doing this? How are you doing this? Are you not sick of this? I'm not. Give me all of it. <laughs> you guys are my friends in my heads. I'm an only child. It's fine. I'm totally well adjusted. I'm doing great, guys. <laughs> okay, Taylor, what have you seen too many goddamn times? Oh, Mean Girls. Are you kidding me? And, you, and like, I have also seen that too many, many times. times. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen mm-hmm. Mean Girls too many times. I used to bootleg watch it. You know, those like janky places you could watch a movie and like download or whatever and get a bug on your mm-hmm. laptop. I didn't care. I was in middle school mm. and every night because I thought that this is how high school would be. And I thought that middle school was my training grounds for high school. I would go to one of those jank websites and I just left it up in a tab after a while. And I would watch that movie every night before going to bed. So I would understand mm. clicks. I would understand people. I bought the book. The movie was inspired by. I was like, I am going to be a social psychologist. and I'm going to dominate high school and middle school. And okay, I so you've not. been prepping for big brother since middle school basically yeah it feels like it i've been forced to basically (laughs) 
who's your favorite character in Mean Girls? Because there's actually this is actually a good litmus test. I'm curious. Oh, Kevin Napore, are you kidding me? Also, great look, answer. Great answer. Cuts. Kevin Napore is my favorite character, but also because I have a very deep kinship with the uh, black girl in the very first scene of the movie. We have a new student. She's from Africa. I'm from Michigan. <laughs> so that's me. She's me. It's giving Detroiter. It's giving attempted white ally. I see you, please. Lewis, who's your fave? I think my favorite, well, at the time, definitely, was Amy Poehler as, as Regina George's mom. Because well, of course. That, that was also one of the last times she really was silly as fuck. Because that character was daffy. And also just like the, yeah, the pop cocking off one hip, the, 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 the thing that's most realistic about that performance is she's filming the talent show in the audience and can't help but dance along. That's like, there's like an urge to be a star is coming out of that character in a <laughs> serious way. It's so uh, very funny. Mm, it's perfection with her hard nipples. <laughs> yes. The hard nipples. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I still love um, Gretchen so much. Gretchen, just like the, I love, like I like, I like Lacey Chabert. You know, I mean, icon from um, Party of Five, but like um, in here, she really does a great performance. Like you can see it building throughout the entire movie, like the anger, and when she finally blows up um, with that Caesar monologue, I was like, "This is your best work, sis." <laughs> and we haven't seen anything also, like it since from her. We haven't. No, I know. I, I think we don't talk about Lacey Chabert enough because, I mean, what an icon! Truly amazing actress and everything she's done. But also, you're yeah, right. Daddy daycare. Come on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but like her performance over the course of that movie is beautiful. I think Mean Girls is what showed me acting. And look, I was a theater kid. Blah blah blah. Little geek, little nerd. But Mean Girls is what showed me that there's value in telling women's stories. There's value in communicating women's anger, um, understanding women's anger. And there's value in acting stupid. Like seeing, um, God, you know I know her, Gretchen, Regina, what's the last one's name? Karen. Karen. Karen, thank you. Seeing someone play Karen and seeing how difficult it is to be stupid, to act stupid for an entirety of a movie. Like that is what made me value comedy. That's what made me value acting. It's easy to play the hard role, the difficult role, the thing you have to change yourself for. Doing stupid and being good at it and bringing comedy to that, that was just, it was life-changing for me. Women's stories matter. They just matter. As <laughs> Hashtag women's lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's picking up, by the way. I mean, how many times has she said some version of that, by the way? It's like Reese Witherspoon's job. She's like the music man going from town to town telling us that women's stories matter. It, they do. It was, it was great that she said that on the same day it was announced that Hello Sunshine, her company, is making an adaptation of Goldilocks and the Three Bears where Goldilocks will be a powerful female protagonist. <laughs> it's not really a story of personal triumph, Goldilocks. She's, I don't she's know. Real, she's really up in people's shit. Okay. She's she, she barged into a house. Yeah, this is a thief. Goldilocks right. is white privilege, just like defined. You open up the book and Goldilocks, white privilege. Goldilocks, are you kidding me? Just sleeping in these bears' beds. Get out of here with the three different types of porridge. That's actually Taylor, you're the doing just fine America. here. I'm really thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's America's not America's problem. favorite player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's start banning Goldilocks. 
in schools. And then and then we'll See? fix the white woman problem in America. Yeah, I am pro book banning. I don't know if you guys knew this about me. Oh, glad to hear it. <laughs> um, a movie I weirdly have seen too many times. And I think it's a credit to the movie because it's actually very short. Um, is Aladdin. I don't know that it was a VHS we had. Or it just came out mm. all the time. But it was an interesting movie for me to see a lot as a little kid because it's the most pop cultural Disney movie, I think. You know, when you have the genie in that movie who is doing things like dropping Johnny Carson and or Ed Sullivan impressions, you know, mm -hmm. and really, like, everything he does, like, has some old TV or movie reference or something. So that really became kind of foundational for me. And also, I just can't explain it. I like every character in that movie. Like, everybody's kind of could be their own movie. And I think eventually they spun off and they were. And we had the Return yeah. of Jafar and all that. But I like, mean, look, Jafar could return me to his bed anytime he wants. Listen. Please. Yeah. And thank you. No. Taylor, Taylor, unfortunately I have <laughs> to tell I you, I think, I think Jafar is gay. <laughs> no wonder he serves. The brows are too good. I should have known. The brows are too good. It's always a tell. But even like like the Sultan is like such a great um, dizzy bitch, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like dumb but conscientious. I don't know. It's like the characters all had like a resting sarcasm too, like Jasmine funnier than she needed to be, et cetera, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a really when you think about the Disney movies um, that were on VHS, I feel like we've all seen them so many fucking times, especially you and I our age, Lewis, because like. My mom would get those, and then when your mom is busy and has to work or doesn't want to be bothered by you, it's put this Disney VHS in, and you're you're like you're too, totally enraptured for two hours. You right. Know? Also, and there's something about those movies specifically where the the packaging, like the the white thick. <sighs> Um, yes, oh, you couldn't, yes. yes, you couldn't just own one. They looked great together on a shelf. You know what I mean? So if you had Aladdin, then you were getting the Hunchback of Notre Dame, then you were getting Hercules, etc. The books of yeah, my lifetime. I, also, I just I was checking myself out because I realized I'm serving Jasmine Realness today. The pony you the are. Really yes. giving. She's giving. <laughs> um, but there's also I realized and maybe maybe this is so far beyond the truth. But remember, those VHSs were numbered. Like the actual cassettes had numbers on them. Yes. And, you know, a lot of those cassettes, because they're printed over and over, you get high hundreds, whatever. I watched Mary Poppins so many times on that VHS. And I remember mm. the number being 25 on that cassette. So I would walk around or on the VHS tape. So I'd walk around and tell everybody, I have the 25th print of the VHS <laughs> of Mary Poppins. This is iconic. It's mine and I'm going to keep it forever. It's worth a lot of money. And, you know, I may or may not have pulled out all the tape on it and had to buy a new one. <laughs> that is my movie. It is just, it is my movie. That and uh, 365 on Netflix. Are we familiar? No. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Um, the movie okay, no, wait, no. I have, the, I have not seen 365. Wait, is ah! that the, like, sexy movie? Yes, it is sexy. It just just take a Y off. It's a sex movie. Like <laughs> just basically what it is. <laughs> there is no plot. Um, it's in three different languages. It is truly the worst movie you are ever going to watch in your life. But it's the best movie you'll ever watch in your life. I think we need to be more pro stupid movies that mean absolutely nothing. And that is my genre. That is a mm. firm advertisement. I will be visiting the three six five. No. Yeah, which is not the three five two. five. Yes. Uh, Val, you know I love the 355. No, hold on. I'm actually getting all those movies that are exactly that kind of cast mixed up. Is that Jessica Chastain? 
Yes, three five five is is you know one one that's like my new salt. Um, yes, and if we're talking about movies that I've seen too many times, you know, I'm not going to mention Salt because I think we I think I've like exhausted the fact that I've seen Salt too many times in this show. I've talked about mm-hmm. Heather's. I've talked about um, honestly. I think I've talked about A Nightmare on Elm Street so many times on this too. Yeah, we've had our horror um, moments. Yeah, yeah. If I'm thinking of like a movie that it is maybe surprising that I've watched so many times. It is something like disturbing behavior. Interesting. I, I mean, I love that era of movie where you just end up, you, you, you might, I feel like that's a movie you would see on TV or something. Yeah. Katie Holmes, James Barsden. Uh, it's basically Stepford wives, but with kids. Oh, that's promising. Yeah, you know, it is uh it's don't Which worry I pitched darling. To Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> to Nickelodeon or it's... Nick Cannon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my god, so funny. It's like don't worry darling, basically. You know, it's like it's bad kids are at the school and then they start being replaced by um kids who are like upstanding. So, you know. Were you guys I've... ever huge fans of Airplane? No. No. I liked Air... Airplane, but not I liked it and I would see it when it was on TV, but it wasn't like a constant rewatch for me because that movie is so like lush with jokes that you actually had a reason to watch it again and again, like the sheer jokes per minute. Like you, you wanted to be able to retain all those eventually or recite them. Um, I, and also that movie is so nobody laughs in that movie. So it's something that retains being funny for a long time because the characters are playing the zaniness, the, the zaniness so seriously that mm-hmm. you don't get you don't. I feel like you get sick of broad comedies a little bit easier. Like the the, the joke are, has already hit a couple of times for you. Um, but my, I just want to say quickly, my favorite joke in Airplane, our most underrated joke in Airplane, is when there's a woman freaking out on the plane that she's going to die, and she goes. We're going to die. And I've never even gotten married. And then this other woman comes by and she goes, I'm really worried. We're going to die. But at least I have a husband. (laughs) The cuntiest line ever. So funny. I can't believe straight men wrote that movie and wrote that line specifically. Are you positive about that? That's the real question. Can we confirm the straight men wrote that? (laughs) One of my uh, co-writers at Kimmel, her uh, dad is one of the writers of the movie. So I ask about it all the time, really annoyingly. Mm. I will say before we wrap this up, I'm just going to say one movie that I will be watching forever. Do Revenge on Netflix. Oh yeah, it is. Yes, I watched it the other day. Oh my god! First of all, Sarah Michelle Gellar popping up in it was chef's kiss. I'm I'm happy for her renaissance. And I um, see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and Camila from uh, Riverdale, mm-hmm. Camila Mendez, and it's a it's a Jen um, Robinson film. Ah, uh, yes, of someone great and Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes, yeah, former keep so, it guest. Yeah, so that that's a very fun movie that I really do enjoy. You know what I will go say going back to your joke though about uh, a woman maybe writing that joke in an airplane. You know what is so funny to me? I was telling a friend. Um, we were talking about Carrie Fisher for some reason because I don't know we're we're faggots and we we're talking about Carrie Fisher. But I was um, say, that is the answer. I was like <laughs> saying that the, they didn't know about her extensive history of doing like script punch ups. Um, and I was talking about how like modern. I was explaining to a friend the concept of most comedy films that come out, studios just hire writers to do punch ups on them 
Right. And mm-hmm. and so like the person who's credited with it will you will just assume that they did those jokes, but like anybody could have done those jokes and it's usually someone who's just recently had a successful comedy or it's just known in the industry as being funny um and when you look back on like the movies that like carrie fisher did that for it's like of course you go and see a movie and you're like these jokes are so funny and then like not knowing that like oh those jokes might have been written by carrie fisher you know right no it's like oh this movie is suddenly extremely acidic what happened oh carrie fisher got a hold of it yeah (laughs) surprise surprise don't surprise (laughs) this one scene (laughs) <laughs> yeah right wow um, you suddenly have the sassiest friend i've ever seen yeah yeah okay and if we want to speak acidic i will actually say that probably a movie that's like a comedy in the airplane vein um that i've seen so many times is soap dish oh sure sally again Whoopi being her hottest yes i love a business so yeah yeah mm-hmm. yes uh soap dish Obviously, you know, Kathy like Moriarty is so funny in yeah. that movie. Problematic role, funny performance. Yes. But about the going on of a soap opera, and it's just, I think they've tried to remake it so many times, and it's like, it's really a film that, often sort of like Airplane, um, couldn't really be remade exactly the same way now, mostly just because soap operas aren't as popular and culturally relevant as they were um back right. in the 90s you know like back then like a soap opera was like if you were on that you were as famous as george clooney you know people were like mm. chasing you down the street um everyone knew who susan lucci was you know deidre hall you know like uh taylor hale on the Vic- bold of the yeah. beautiful soon yes okay <laughs> oh. okay brooke <laughs> taylor and rich okay <laughs> i can't tell you when but you will know when Soon enough. Soon enough to all. My memory of Bold and the Beautiful is for a split second, Lark Voorhees from uh, uh, Saved by the Bell was on it. And I just remember thinking, good for her. I needed her. I I just thought she was the funny heart of Saved by the Bell. And so I wanted her to go on to do great things. And that was one of the times she got to do something anyway. It still looms large to me. (laughs) Um, Can't wait to see you on a soap opera. That'll be iconic. And also speaking of soap operas, that's going to be my keep it. Um, So teasing that one. Mm. So... um, Anyway, that was a mishmash of movies. Um, what's what's one other movie like to wrap up like from your youth that you were like you love this movie so much as much as Mean Girls? Like when you took a break from Mean Girls, what else did you watch? Well, when I think of youth, I think of like young, young Taylor. And I know we're supposed yeah. to be thinking like scripted movies, things that I actually loved and played on VHS. Those are all the fucking Disney movies. Like it's fine, okay, whatever. But for me. It was, God, I'm so lame. Janet Jackson, live in Hawaii. That was my movie oh, that I played oh, over come, and over and over. And yes, I watched the Did You Mind bit as a child. Yes, I knew all the choreography <laughs> to All For You. Yes, I knew all the choreography for Come On, Get Up. Like, if you want to talk about opening a show, Come On, Get Up, live in Hawaii, Janet Jackson. That is how you open a concert. That is my movie. It was just constantly on in the background. I know of these odd non-traditional things of like reality tv and movies but it just it was a different experience for me i lived life a little bit differently through the media that i consumed and janet jackson as we all know i'm like that is my girl i love her down and she comes to my post and i'm still passing out about it but that concert was so freeing and beautiful and exciting and colorful it was like an acid trip but i was a child so i didn't know what that meant it was just perfect absolute perfection i love that. also come on get up if people don't know is a track off all for you and it is 
a Janet banger. Like it really should be up there Slaps. with her, her uh, classics that we hear all of, you know, in CVS's across the country or whatever. Um, also just like that album and era in general, like she, it really just broadcast like her sunniness, you know, yes. she there's like a full light during that era, you know, not that she, I don't love like hard military Janet, but oh, this no, version but was like a, a nice counterpart. Version. It was so yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. She, that's you know. what I say about Janet. Like all phases of her existence are just the, the path of black womanhood. And I got to experience what that could be like by understanding her journey so i like mm-hmm. you janet no live in hawaii is truly like an iconic era of janet and i love rewatching that all the time too i like I, there's there's nothing better honestly than like putting on a concert video at the end of the night um and just sort of like vibing to that with friends because it's music it's also the visuals and it's it's perfect all for all for you is we just got the velvet rope um the deluxe edition which thank god because finally I got my favorite Janet song because you, you know, Louis, my favorite has been I Get Lonely, but right. it was really the video version of it, the Telly, Teddy Riley remix that has never been available for streaming ah. or like on an album. And now it's finally available for streaming. And I love that. Um, and now I'm listening to that constantly, but I'm ready for a deluxe edition of All For You because more than just Come On, Get Up, it's like there are so many classic songs on that album that aren't you know, the ones you hear all the fucking time, like uh, yes. just you ain't right. How that yep. opens Ooh. the album. It's just like, that is trust to try. Like these are just like high Thank octane you. Janet Jackson songs that you never hear um, constantly when people were listening to Janet songs. But these are like bangers that are perfect, like in a club or at the gym or something. It's like, like I was literally listening to all for you at the gym yesterday. Also, I mean, shout out to Son of a Gun, where Janet gave a few bars to up-and-coming rapper Carly Simon. Uh, (laughs) Up-and-coming, Larry to be world-renowned. Yeah. (laughs) Wild choice. Literally rapping about clouds in her coffee. Guys, I I could not have predicted it, is all I can say. (laughs) Also, the phrase, ha-ha, hoo-hoo. (laughs) Hoo-hoo. I thought you'd get the money, too. I do. She was the pioneer of mumble rap. I'll say it here right now. Let's claim it. All right. It's on the record now. All right. (laughs) All right. When we are back, it is time for our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. And we can't wait to hear Taylor's. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we are back with our favorite segment of the episode. Keep it, Miss Taylor. You go first. You are guest of honor. I got to keep it, baby. <laughs> first of all, the fact that I'm even doing a keep it is just, this is unbelievable. Fangirling once again, but I'll step out of that because I'm sure your listeners are sick of me. My keep it. So taking the high road. Fuck the high road. <laughs> Fuck everybody who has told me you inspired me because you told me how to be a bigger person. You had so much grace and poise in the big brother house. No, I sat there and I let people tell on themselves the whole time. And they were the fools at the end of the game. I didn't take the high road. I let people show themselves as assholes. That's all that is in the key to my big brother game. <laughs> yes, I played a social game. Yes, I had to manipulate people into understanding that I'm just a normal human being. But taking the high road sounds a lot like, hey, why don't you sit back and take some disrespect? That's not how I live my life. Taking the high road mm. sounds like some absolute bullshit. And I'm sorry, but I am not Michelle Obama. I am not Gandhi. I am, and I am no saint. I am a woman who wanted to get $750,000 and also, I don't know, be able to walk out the house like a normal human being without being a villain that they all thought I was. So the high road is for people who are better than me. I am a salty, angry little minx and I'm ready to be a petty bitch that I've always been. So fuck the high road and anybody who wants me to take it. Y'all can take it for me. I'm ready to live in my petty era. Well, let's just say, by the way, to tune into Big Brother, and to want or enjoy the concept of grace is mental illness. So whoever says <laughs> that you. to you should be put the fuck away. Immediately. Put the jacket on, please. <laughs> I mean, listen, first of all, the only high road I want uh, in my life is the 2006 JoJo album, for one. That's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> when she two, was like 11 years old and crooning, yes. And singing okay, down. Uh-huh. 11 years old talking about um that good old and how to touch a girl i'm like ma'am help this is child abuse <laughs> you're still in the burger king ball pit you can't be talking about this Jeez, it's giving concern yeah um th- that honestly is one of my biggest big brother complaints lately to be honest you know i loved your season i loved um the cookout season but when you when you ever you watch old clips of Big Brother, it was there was no grace. There was no, no. thinking about <laughs> how the audience is gonna <laughs> react to you. Like I love someone who is like, uh, you have a fight with somebody and you're like, bitch, as soon as I win, you're going home. You know? Yes. Like this you want people playing the game and to be active. And a lot of the times Big Brother now just has a lot of people sleeping during the week. <laughs> yeah. Don't me. Wow. Okay. Um, you so sleep very well. So yes. <laughs> Who else was going to cuddle the bag of lace? That was my responsibility. 
no i do miss that older i don't like you fuck you big brother like i miss the rachel riley i miss the janelle just going around saying like you go to hell you kiss my ass you eat the darkest region of my asshole like i miss that era of big brother but it's just not the game that i was afforded to play but now i don't have to care I don't it's also just not a practical it's it's not a practical way to play the game like in fact Anymore, it's really no. stupid yeah it, you know. it's, if you want the money you have to be a lot smarter and maybe that doesn't always make for great tv thank god it did this season so you know afp game winner we got it all in the end and now i can just unleash all the things that i was holding on to and it's yeah. fair and warranted because america saw the truth yeah um have you i was asked um by my friend um james um to us have you seen all the fan cams that people made of you i'm obsessed with them first of all <laughs> to all the beyonce songs and also like i felt like i look real busted a lot of times i'm a pretty bitch i am so sexy <laughs> i love these fan cams i'm like no stop oh no keep keep going keep going keep going please i need more so yes i am watching every single fan cam i haven't saved I'll watch them next to Joseph. I'm like, I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. My favorite moment still of the show, um, aside from Michael running out of the house um, when he was evicted, um, was <laughs> you and Daniel's interaction <laughs> when he oh, said, because right. uh, how was that discovering that? Bat- what was the first time you saw the clip of him saying, you need to stop? And you being like, with the lays? With the lays? <laughs> <laughs> it was on Twitter. It was maybe um, two days after finale night, and I'm just going through clips on Twitter. And for me, everything is really positive. I can't say everything the same for everybody else. But all my social media is overwhelmingly positive. So I'm watching the fan cams, and this next video starts playing, and I realize what it is. And I'm like, oh, what does it look like? And that's when I saw it. You need to stop. First of all, I think he's doing a bit. Like, I really yeah. think he's just like acting with me. And I was like, oh, with the lace? Like, oh, you're taking me to final two? I'm, I am a bitch. Oh my God. And just with the lace, now I understand why that is so iconic and cemented into the season and my, my, uh, my personality because that, that was my best friend. And where is my Balenciaga lace bag? I'm just <laughs> curious. Why don't I have one yet? It's giving you know, Taylor de- Hale. You yeah. know, de- de- Demna's dealing with a lot right now with Kanye and everything. So, like, <laughs> I think it'll take him time to get you the bag. But I just want to say, like, that. The, the with the lays moment was, <laughs> I actually feel like that was the moment where this game of Big Brother stopped being just for Big Brother fans and really catapulted into being, like, a water cooler moment, like, culturally because people started talking about this season of big brother who i didn't even know watch big brother and probably didn't watch big brother but you had other people and like celebrities and other people like online who you know like who comment on um culture and things like talking about the show and i'm truly think it was like that coupled with you know like you know the abuse you were getting in the house but it culminating with that moment and just how funny it was unexpectedly. <laughs> I think that's what really got people talking about this season. And it makes me happy because, um, you know, Big Brother is just never something that entered my sphere at all. I only knew about it when uh, there was the racism and season 21 that kind of entered my bubble, but very barely. And then the cookout last season with what they were doing. That's, you know, black. Okay. So those are the only moments where I feel like Big Brother has felt big enough to me in my world where I was so deeply entrenched in other reality TV. But um, just to, to know that I, my dumbass, was the one 
to push this into main mainstream pop culture. It just it feels very very bizarre. It's, I didn't expect my impact to be this big on the game at all. It really is a chaotic online discussion, but it really stays in the pocket of the people who are obsessed with the show generally. So when it breaks mm-hmm. out, that really is surprising. And it's only happened a few times, I think. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, what is your keep it this week? All right. I'm going to do two mini keep it. Um, one, the new Charlie Puth album. Guys, what happened? I was waiting oh for, for years for this. I don't know if Taylor's <laughs> a fan of Charlie Puth, but I, I've said for years, I loved how he combined the styles of, both Hall and Oates and Carly Rae Jepsen. It felt like a, a sexy douchebag vibe, which I didn't know I would um, sign on for initially. Like nothing about this person demographically is what I'm into. Like I didn't know until about 2020 that men sang. I didn't think that was even legal. And I didn't know that there was an audience for it. Um, mm. But in 2018, when he gave us the album Voice Notes, I was like, this is fucking sexy. This is an album that you want playing when you're in the hot tub with four other guys and you're wondering if it's going to turn into a different type of hot tub party. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, My favorite type of hot tub party. Yes, all right. Um, But this album, I feel like those influences have waned. It's lacking any sort of cool homage because I know he's obsessed with like old fun dance music it just mm-hmm. feels generic and unfinished and unfinished to me is the keyword with this album because it feels like mm. a bunch of songs that are aiming for cohesion but none of them has like the monster hook you want none of them has the monster sex appeal the danceability you want and um, I know you just did this huge GQ profile on him which I by the way have not read yet so I, I'm sure I'll discover five new wonderful horny things about Charlie Puth that you are going to teach me <laughs> but um, so there's that. And then my other keep it is to the fucking internet responding to Madonna making a TikTok where she flicks her wrist after. Okay, I'll explain the TikTok. Uh, the The concept was there's a, a text on the screen that says, if I miss this shot, I'm gay. And she throws these this pair of panties into a wastebasket, misses, and then turns to the camera and makes a little flick of her wrist to indicate she's gay. Guys, that is very typical Madonna shit. And that does not mean she is a homosexual only. And as, by the way, several sources have now reported, I don't know, I don't know if it was like variety, but things at that level are reporting Madonna, gay person out in the world making these TikToks. Guys, of course, she's had her little dalliances over the years. I've seen the name Ingrid Cazares thrown around online all week now, which is actually a head trip. I'm excited to see it. But she's just somebody who like like saying the word gay i thought it was funny you can't be shouting down madonna when she's being coherently funny this is a rare phenomenon for me first of all i will say that in the 90s madonna's music videos were airing on the box and she was licking the box okay like (laughs) she has had she's had she's had confirmed girl she's had confirmed girlfriends so it's not new information her being bi or something or fluid so i thought that was silly um we're the Charlie Puth album. Yeah. I like it. I, I bet say, you don't. I think you I, I think say, you interviewed him for that magazine and you're like, I'm gonna make myself like it. And I believe me, girl, <laughs> I know what it's like to write a profile and you wanna be on their side. Trust me, I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want you to re-listen to the song Loser, which I think has a great hook. And a great I like bridge. it. That that um, I, I can get into. I can get into okay. a little bit. I will say I feel like my absence from society for 82 days is showing right now. Like I would contribute <laughs> so much more, but I know nothing about the outside world. <laughs> but what's no, so funny we is accept that you as you are Taylor. Yeah. Yes. No, what's so funny too, is that like, there are so many random, like, I mean, like if you just like looked at our episodes from the period from when you went in to when you left, 
so much shit happened this summer that now sort of feels inconsequential, but were literally the only things that people could talk about all summer. Oh, great. And I'm trying to, and I'm trying to like even remember any of them, but it's like they go in one brain and they're sort of out the other because they're like, I mean, like you like the whole "Don't Worry, Darling" press tour, for instance, right? Uh, yeah. Olivia Wilde and Flor, and you know, uh, Florence Harry not Styles, the machine, yeah. Harry Styles, like all of this drama. It was just like constantly people. Like it was behind the scenes drama going on with this movie, and then the movie came out, and it's some people thought it was fine. I thought it was a mess, but that's like come and gone now. Yeah, but it's the totally way that in the encompassed past. us mm-hmm. for like three months. Oh, literally the entire time I was gone. Look, all I know is the Queen died, and Rihanna's doing the Super Bowl, and I'm trying to get a Lay's Super Bowl commercial. So <laughs> I think my favorite, my favorite Big Brother joke is because uh, apparently the Queen died the same week that Michael got evicted. So someone starts saying, two, we lost two queens this week." <laughs> Long may they reign in hell. You know, right. <laughs> Michael is an angel. Uh, he's going to heaven. Yes, we adore him. Yes, Michael, come on, keep it. You're invited. All right. My keep it this week. And I actually have actually have two as well. Um, my first brief keep it, a serious one. Um, we've already said plenty of times that we're done talking about Kanye on this show. So mm-hmm. I just want people to know that like we're not gonna be doing it anymore. And but I also want people to know that I really sort of like hated the rhetoric, and it wasn't just from Sarah Silverman, it was from other people. The rhetoric this week that like, when he said his anti-Semitic shit and then went on Tucker Carlson, which, anyway. Um, uh, already disqualifying. Yeah, already, yes, right. right. Like, you went on Tucker Carlson, baby. I mean, come on. I miss forgetting um, about that name. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Um, saying the anti-Semitic stuff that he said, it's, it's awful. Um, and I'm glad that people are speaking up about it because they should speak up about it. And I said last week in my keep it, you know, like the real problem is like, stop inviting him into the fashion room. Stop, you know, like producing his albums, like stop working with him. That's how you got to take away the oxygen. But there was like rhetoric from people like Sarah and other people like we, uh, people weren't speaking up enough, uh, about the anti-Semitism. And I'm like, you just should be following more black people online. Because we have been talking about him constantly from the racism, the misogyny, the, you know, supporting white lives matter, white supremacy, supporting Trump. It's just like at this point, we're exhausted because I feel like black people have talked in a void about how dangerous this man is for years um, and no one's listened. So if people aren't talking, it's because they're exhausted. But people are talking about it. You just got to go find it. Not me. He's blocked. (laughs) <laughs> the name is muted. I'm not yeah. hearing about it no more. We've, we, it's so wild that like we started the show in 2018 after, you know, like his involvement with Trump stuff. And it's just like it has dominated five years of this show. Right. And stagnated I, in this level yes, of horror. Yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. So we're Solid done. keep it. And, and yes. also an official keep it. Let's enshrine it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Official. Keep it forever. The second keep it goes to certain viewers of the NBC soap opera Days of Our Lives, which oh. aired this week um, the first ever threesome on a soap opera. 
That's right. Yeah, Giving us so, the content we want. <laughs> so the characters Chanel and Ellie are um, two women in a relationship. And then they just had a threesome with um, this guy, Alex Kyriakis, on the show. And let me tell you, first of all, it was tastefully done. There was saxophone music playing. You know, it was like it wasn't it wasn't giving Cinemax. OK. Um, but it was giving two, oxygen softcore. Um, yes, oxygen oxy- network. I just want to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it because the one thing about the show is like it's transferred to Peacock, but it filmed so far in advance, and the Peacock switch happened recently that this was going to air on NBC before the switch happened anyway. So it wasn't like the show switched to Peacock and then all of a sudden got racy, porny. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. It is wild to be a fan of soap operas in this day and age and to have seen murder blackmail multiple rapes demonic possession like people's closets going into hell um zombies anything and to find a threesome too much it's insane to me to see tweets from people being like is this a thing that normal people do Yes, I mean, don't Mary tell on yourself like that. <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna say, baby girl. I know you're actually doing the same damn thing. You're just mad you're seeing the reflection on the TV. Please. Uh, okay, uh, Mary Beth. All right, I first. I feel like I first learned about threesomes from Jerry Springer. Right. That right. Makes sense also, to me. Also, it's just, it's barely controversial. It's the sex you're familiar with having, but there's one more person. That, I mean, what? <laughs> it's, crazy. it's not that and much it, of an, an upheaval. Yeah. And it, it makes me feel like it's mostly just like bigoted because it's two women kissing each other within the threesome who were right, actually right. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's not That's just out of a control. guy having sex with two like random floozies, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, honestly... Get over it. It's wild to me that just like soap operas have always been seen as sexually provocative. You know, like in the 70s and 80s, it's like it was like the love in the afternoon was the thing on Time magazine where it was like there's so much sex happening on soap operas. And it's like, what are we watching? Um, Think about the kids, you know, and now that it's actually reflecting. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them kids. Uh, Now that it's actually reflecting like the present. Um, it's sexually provocative again to, you know, the certain set of older viewers um, who are watching the show. But speaking of enshrining, to- by the way, I'm, I'm excited that Mary Beth is the name you chose. I don't know. There's something about that that really <laughs> hit the nail on the head for me. It's giving Catholicism. It's giving the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Beth and her sister, Lori. Who she's yeah, mad right. at because Lori, Lori's probably had a threesome and Mary Beth heard about it and she said, don't bring that up in my Christian home. That's right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and let's call her Lori Jane, but she just goes by low. Well, yeah. You know? oh, it's Christian girl autumn in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the fits are fire. Okay. Fits are fire. Put fits some respect on that girl's name. <laughs> also, one last thing about Days of Our Lives. I hope it gets its money back being on peacock gets a bigger budget because one thing i miss about older soaps is that they would play current pop songs instead of um like this royalty free music because there's a clip that was circulating of marlena and john from days of our lives when they were like about to have their affair um and they see each other in a pub and um 
Anita Baker's caught up in the rapture plays <gasps> and like they're just like horny for each other in this pub imagining fucking each other and like Anita Baker retweeted it and talking about like mm, love those sands through the hourglass you know because like obviously when that aired there was a big moment and like a lot of people discovered her song through that and like it's just so interesting like seeing the moments um seeing a moment like that from the 90s that like was probably like a huge moment culturally um for the show and for Anita Baker um to think about that now also that is a naughty song it is <laughs> caught up in the rapture <laughs> with you come hey, on listen, I'll get you going going to and from okay <laughs> Taylor, my God, I mean, to say uh, that you've been a joy is such an understatement. Oh, and we knew yeah. you would be. And I'll, I mean, again, <laughs> thanks for the season of TV you gave us. And also just the seasons of TV you're going to give us. You're a fucking star. So. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute joy, dream, delight. I mean, imagine leaving someplace that you've been secluded for 80 some days and then listening to your friends in your head and they're actually saying your name. So the last episode when you guys went to me, it was just, it was surreal to be here. This is really everything. So thank you guys. Thank you for being you and like truly making this season bearable. I mean, we, we, it, it, <laughs> into I amazing. Yeah. Yes. Right. Like truly when you watch a big brother season, you're always worried. Okay. All the black people are going to be out. There's going to be a lot of racism. <laughs> You're going to be stressed watching it. And honestly, it was it was like a thriller each week because I was constantly worried that you were going to go. And like I was like, I'm not watching this week. I'm not watching this week. And then when I find out you're you still did. there, I'm like, well, let me watch these episodes back. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you to – I'm like also so happy for our Keep It listeners who have been like in my DMs constantly uh, being in our mentions, being like, when is Taylor coming on the show? When is Taylor coming oh on the show? Oh, my God. I'm like, well, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. And she's never leaving. She's now the permanent third host. She's coming <laughs> Oh. <gasps> Sorry. The audition really went expected. well. That's what we'll say. That's what we'll uh, say. Joseph yeah. is uh, just shirtless in the kitchen right now. I think oh. I'm going to go. Might have to go for a guys. I don't know. <laughs> I love my life now. It's great. Things are great. <laughs> uh, we're so happy for you. And congratulations again on winning America's favorite player and the entire game. And thank you so much to Taylor for joining us. Thanks for having me. You guys are the best. Wow, that was great. Thank you so oh my much, God. Taylor. What a dream. Thank you, guys. This was like, <sighs> I was so scared I wouldn't be able to keep up with you guys, but this was just perfect. <laughs> no, so- yeah, I, I, I would say it's crazy that you don't have a podcast. You're just like so, so attuned to it, like popping constantly. Love it. It's yeah. fun. I think eventually I might get something going and call it uh, Miss Congeniala T. But we'll oh, see. Yeah. Oh. We'll see what happens. Mm. Okay. And she and she knows how to brand. My God. Okay. I, well, <laughs> I mean, listen, you're already uh, you're already fabulous. We just need to get you armed. So you That's know. Right. Uh, <laughs> King. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just don't leave me at the bottom of the what is it? The the ship that goes underwater? No. Yeah, I actually right. I stopped the movie at that point because it's too dramatic. I I don't like horse. <laughs> horse fear, you guys. Horse fear is not for me. We need a biscuitality for you to be in it now. You and you and Sandy oh, Bullock and Regina. I, all three. Oh my god, stop. I would pass no. out. Scream. Yeah. Have an orgasm, all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next week for more Keep It, which will also be our 250th episode of Keep Oof. It. Stay exhausted. <laughs> <laughs>
Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for our production support every week. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.